Robinson, and this is Light On, Light Through, Episode 19, How Goes the Ship of Free Speech? I was on HBO's board where people are discussing the new second season of Rome, which started uh, just about two weeks ago. And as uh, many of you, I'm sure, know, I love that show. I think it's one of the best shows on television. And I came across a post by Ulva Nilsson about a list that he had seen somewhere on the web of the names of ancient ships. And the name that most struck Ulva was Parisia. That's P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A. And that's Greek for free speech. Now, we have to be careful about the meanings of words across cultures, especially cultures thousands of years apart. And what the Greeks meant when they talked about free speech and used the word parisia was not quite the political notion of free speech that we talk about today. What the Greeks meant by free speech in that context was more a sense of speaking forthrightly, candidly, what's on your mind, that is not speaking evasively or in a mealy-mouthed way. And, of course, that is related to our notion of free speech, but it's not exactly what we mean by it. Still in all, it thrilled me to know that sailing on the ancient Mediterranean Sea, there was a ship that was titled the Free Speech. There's something very ennobling and inspiring about that. So, how then is free speech doing in our society? How goes the ship of free speech here at the beginning of 2007? Well, if I may speak freely, I'm afraid that free speech is not doing very well in our society today. It's sailing in the roughest waters that it's been in since the 1790s, when John Adams and the Federalists, just a few years after the First Amendment was adopted by our country, as, by the way, the First Amendment to the Constitution, not the Fifth or the Eighth, the First But just a few years after that, in the 1790s, John Adams signed into law the Alien and Sedition Acts, which actually punished very severely people who dared to criticize the president and speak about the president in disrespectful ways. Well, fortunately for the United States... Thomas Jefferson became president in 1801. Thomas Jefferson, the very man who, working with his colleagues, James Madison and James Monroe, had insisted on the Bill of Rights and, most importantly, the First Amendment as the price that they needed in order to justify and ratify in their minds the strong central government that the Federalist people like John Adams were proposing. And so when Jefferson became president in 1801, he initiated what would be a century of unparalleled respect for freedom of speech. So deeply ingrained was respect for the First Amendment that even Abraham Lincoln, during the worst days of the Civil War, refrained 
from shutting down newspapers that were critical of what he was doing during the war. He actually twice, upon advice of his generals, did temporarily restrain some northern newspapers. But he did that for an extremely short period of time, and he quickly realized that that was not the way that a democratic society must operate. Well, unfortunately, in the 20th century, that Jeffersonian, Lincolnian tradition of freedom of speech has been and continues to be in the 21st century attacked on almost a daily basis. Now, it would take an encyclopedia to tell you all the various occasions in the 20th century in which the First Amendment was either outrightly trampled or chipped away by some kind of Supreme Court decision or act of Congress. One of the worst moments was the clear and present danger decision shortly after World War I, uh, in which uh, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote that it was okay to limit speech if it posed a clear and present danger. And, of course, the problem is, what is a clear and present danger? And then a few years later, the creation of the Federal Communications Commission set up an agency, which of course still exists today, whose job it is to make sure that stations broadcast, radio and television stations broadcast in the public interest. And again, depending upon how that's defined, the result could be that stations are pressured upon pain of losing their license to broadcast, to provide content that is deemed acceptable in some way. Well, I think both of those things go blatantly uh, against the First Amendment. But things really took a turn for the worse just a few years ago, and we're coming up on the anniversary of that occasion, the Super Bowl, which uh, will be uh, broadcast uh, a week from this coming Sunday, that is a week from tomorrow, because I'm recording this podcast on Saturday. And, as I'm sure all of you recall, Janet Jackson's breast was exposed for a split second in a dance routine that she was doing with Justin Timberlake, as she later termed it, it was a costume reveal, a costume malfunction. Well, whatever it was, it got the Federal Communications Commission and some people very upset uh, about what was on television. Now, it later turned out that more than 50% of all the complaints that the FCC received about the Janet Jackson incident were stirred up by one group, the Parents Television Council, headed then by Brent Bozell. And there was an article about this in Media Week by Todd Shields uh, in December 2004. I'll put a note about that in the uh, show notes uh, on the lightonlightthrough.com page if you'd like to read that article. But that article was published several years after the FCC began to express its serious concern about what was on television. And what started out as outrage 
over a split second of Janet Jackson's breast, mushroomed into a series of consequences, some of them almost funny, like concern over a cartoon baby's backside, this about the family guy, the uh, cartoon show on Fox, to something much more sad and serious, stations afraid to broadcast Saving Private Ryan on Veterans Day because they were concerned that the FCC might find them because of the strong language that's used in the movie. So how goes the ship of free speech today? Well, not very good. No station was fined for broadcasting Saving Private Ryan, but many stations have been fined and in record amounts for other content that they presented to the American people. Now, some of the stations are fighting this in the courts, and it remains to be seen what happens with that. The FCC is pursuing these fines as vehemently as it can. It's supported by Congress, which continually passes laws that try to increase the government control of what we see and hear on television and radio. Congress wants to increase the fines. People in Congress have been talking about extending the power of the FCC so that it can dictate what we see and hear on cable television. Up until now, cable television has been relatively free of this kind of FCC control because it does not obviously broadcast over a public airwave. It comes to us through cables. But the situation in many respects is grim. Uh, the Supreme Court has yet to rule on any of these things, but based on its past decisions and given the fact that we now have a increasing Republican majority on the Supreme Court, there's no reason to think that the Supreme Court will reverse this trend, although I guess anything, of course, is possible. So how goes the ship of free speech in January 2007? Well, it's in dangerous waters indeed. There is one bright spot about all of this, however, which I should mention to you. And you are now listening to this podcast. You've no doubt listened to other podcasts. The revolution in podcasting, and of course this goes beyond just strictly speaking podcasts. It also pertains to videocast, other ways of talking other ways, that is, than talking over media like radio and television that are regulated by the FCC. The development of these new alternative forms, I think, is one of the most promising developments since the passage of the First Amendment itself way, way, way back in the early 1790s. Because what this means is that However hard the FCC might try to control what we see and hear on television and radio, the more people that listen to podcasts and watch uh, vidcasts, those people are seeing and hearing things that the FCC cannot possibly control. So, once again, as we've seen more than once in history, 
technology may be coming to our rescue. And if the ship of free speech is sailing in dangerous waters, if it's going through dire straits, then perhaps the lifeline of podcasts and vidcasts that technology is now tossing out to us will be the means that we can use to get through this period, this crisis for the First Amendment and for freedom of expression. So stay tuned. The stakes are very high. If the FCC and some of the people in Congress have their way and there is a beginning of federal control over cable, hey, we may see Rome itself falling under the censor's scalpel. Parisia, whatever name we give to it, free speech is hanging in the balance. Stay tuned. This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. Hey, if you want to make an impact online, check out GoDaddy.com. It has .com names for as low as $1.99. Plus, they have world-class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. And if you mention the special code POD4, that's POD4, you'll get 10% off your web hosting. Or BLU4, that's Blue4, gives you 10% off everything else you may buy at GoDaddy.com. Okay, and uh, let me tell you about some of the things you just heard and some of the things you will hear in about a minute. First, uh, thanks again, Patsy Terrell, for telling us about Blueberry.com. We are indeed proud to be part of the Blueberry community. It's more than a network, it's a community. And you also heard me do a little ad for GoDaddy.com. And, you know, ads on podcasts are controversial in some quarters. I'm an unabashed capitalist, and I'm happy to have ads uh, for Light On, Light Through. You can rest assured, though, as my listeners, that I will never put an ad on this podcast or do an ad for anything that I don't personally believe in and endorse. And uh, I use GoDaddy.com, and if you're a podcaster, a blogger, it really is an excellent system, so I do highly recommend it. Now, let me tell you about some of the promos that you're going to hear. First, you'll hear MikeThinks.com. Once again, I can't say too much about his show. It's just a really superb show that every uh, show, and it's twice a week, it covers some of the highlights in new tech developments and how they relate to people. So I, I highly recommend that. You'll hear a promo for Sean Farrell's podcast, Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing. But let me also mention, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this previously, that Sean is working on a patio book of The Silk Code, which is my first science fiction novel. And I just heard the first chapter actually a few minutes ago that Sean completed. And it sounds great. So I'll be putting up notes uh, on lightonlightthrough.com about how you you can uh, go hear the patio book once it's up, and I'll be mentioning it again uh, on uh, these podcasts. But I think you're going to be in for a real 
treat because Sean gives it a really nice reading. And hey, Nate and Carlos, podcastpendulum.com. You'll hear a promo for that show. And guess what? They interviewed me about a week ago. And uh, if you like to hear me talk and you can't get enough of it, right after you finish listening to this episode of Light On, Light Through, go over to Podcast Pendulum and you'll hear the interview that Nate and Carlos conducted with me this past Sunday. And you're also going to hear a uh, promo that my good friend T. Morris supplied. And I won't tell you anything more about it. You'll hear it uh, at the end of this podcast suite. But let me mention that I will be making a guest appearance uh, in that uh, patio book that T. Morris is talking about. So listen, as always, it's been great talking to you. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back again next week with another episode of Light On, Light Through. In the meantime, sit back, relax, enjoy. the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. Are you a Battlestar Galactica fan? If you are, you need to check out the Combat Information Center. It's available at www.allenlight.com slash galactica. Hey, publishing fans, this is Sean from the Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing Podcast. If you're a fan of science fiction and fantasy literature, and if you're interested in learning the ins and outs of the publishing business, then this is the show for you. I interview best-selling authors... (coughs) Ari Salvador, so thanks for taking the time, Bob. Ah, it's great to be here. ...industry experts... This is Keith R. ...and new writers who are blazing the path of publishing's future. I am uh, Brandon Sanderson. So join me today at www.adventuresinsci-fi-publishing.blogspot.com and become a part of the adventure. Did you walk out of the Matrix and wonder if you're a battery in a jar? Did you walk out of Daredevil and wonder, what is it like to be a bat? Do you and your friends stay up at night debating good and evil in the Star Wars universe? Does the question of life, the universe, and everything intrigue you? Then open your mind and tune into The Sci-Fi Show, thescifishow.com. And that's Fi with a PH. In a world where ordinary individuals... I was at a bar. I had a beer. ...begin to discover their unique abilities... The Ninth, a Heroes Netcast. www.heroescast.com In a world full of hopelessness and despair, only two guys had the power to deliver the world from certain destruction. Nathan and Carlos are Podcast Pendulum. Watch it all unfold at podcastpendulum.podomatic.com Five more bucks for yourself. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Andrea. 
We do a podcast called Just One More Book. A podcast about the children's books we love and why we love them. Because we're crazy about kids' books. We interview authors and illustrators. Hey, this is E.D. McHenry. This is Lee Edward Foti. Playlistener submitted reviews. It's my favorite book. Talk about how and where to find great books. JustOneMoreBook.com <laughs> I got him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. You listen to this podcast. Yeah, I got to talk to you for a second. I got this friend here. He's doing this podcast. It's, it's a book, a, a podcast novel. And he's asking me, how do you think I can get the people to listen to this podcast? And I understand his problem. I mean, there are so many podcasts out there. It's tough to choose, huh? But you know what I told him? Respect. Respect is the best way to get people to listen. When the people respect you the way I do, it reflects on you and your family. So if the people respect you, then they will listen. That's what I told him. Now, this podcast is Bill Bob Battings and the Case of the Singing Sword, done by a friend of mine named T. Morris, and I respect him. I respect him like family. So I think the best thing for you to do is listen. Because if you don't listen, then, you know, you're being disrespectful. And if you're being disrespectful to his family, you're being disrespectful to my family. We understand each other? All right, that's good. Now, here's a pretty lady to give you all the details. Billabub Battings in the Case of the Singing Sword. Find out more by clicking on the Billabub Battings podcast banner at www.tmorris.com. Okay, you got all that? Capiche? That's good. Very good. So why are you still here? I mean, what are you doing? Shouldn't you be subscribing now?